2: So Hello there, guys, and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you guys are doing well and staying safe. And we are back once again for the season review. Now, I know some of you guys may not necessarily want to review or reflect on the 2022 season. Being a Ferrari fan, probably not one that I was looking forward to either, looking back on what could have been rather than the calamities that we had. But obviously, there were some good moments as well. And in a way, it's, it's kind of nice to look back on the season. There's a lot of good moments this season. And I think a lot of people would probably agree that there have been a lot of good moments. Um, maybe not worthy of a five-star moment, but there certainly have been some highlights. And speaking of five stars, we did get a nice five-star review from Timo van Frankenhoegen. And apologize, Timo, if I've butchered your surname on that one. I'm not very good at pronouncing. Uh, names uh some certain names especially my own sometimes um that aside uh but thank you so much for the five star review we really do appreciate that and um obviously you know you were kind enough to let us know that you gave us a five star review on spotify and that's a uh, reminder to you wonderful lot that if you do think that we are worthy of a five star review and want to show your support you can do that on your favorite podcasting platform be that Spotify Apple Podcast Amazon Music whichever your poison is wherever you get your podcast from Um, but of course in Timo's case he was only able to give us a five-star review on Spotify he wasn't able to leave his name or a written review for us so if you do do something similar to Timo and you're not able to leave a written review for us please do let us know on our socials we'll leave our links in the show notes and we'll also uh, leave them on the background if you are watching this on YouTube you'll be able to see our socials. so do let us know of course if you are watching this on YouTube you can like the video and subscribe to the channel if you want to support us as well we appreciate every single one of you and just like Timo we will give you a shout out on the next episode so thank you very much Timo and of course thank you to everyone who has supported the show so far we really really appreciate it especially in 2022 and uh, joining me on the episode as always unfortunately not quite in the Christmas jumper attire that uh, I've gone with as you could probably see this if you're watching this on YouTube but still jumpers nonetheless because it's so cold right now in the winter. So it's oddly appropriate that we've decided to wear those rather than the usual DNF one shirts. We've got Courtney and Lee joining me for our season review and gentlemen, I think we saw a lot of people do season reviews already. We're kind of a bit late to the party on that one, as we often are not necessarily donning a a suit in particular or a bow tie, like we saw at the auto sports awards, but uh, everybody looking nice and dapper and ready for a season review.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, The the sum up this season, uh, I I think you uh, put yourself, Adam, not exactly uh, award-winning in its own right, but um, there are some uh, areas to highlight and uh, yeah, we'll run through that today and I'm sure Lee has a few things to say himself.
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be a good episode to discuss our, our late coming review, but I'm looking forward to getting all your thoughts on it, that's for sure. And sometimes we'll call you, you and I probably will agree. on some Adam will disagree on, but uh, uh, that's part of the fun, isn't it? Well, I mean, I can't help myself if the occasional
2: Ferrari fanboyism comes out every so often. I think you're just going to have to live with that one. But um, obviously, you know, in the interest of our awards for some of our best and worst moments of the season, I want to implore a little democracy, if I may, into this podcast. So, of course, there are three of us here. So I feel like there is an opportunity here to have a majority vote or a split decision on some of these. Some are a bit easier to judge than others, but the fun part is reminiscent on some moments, some of which that perhaps one or two of us in uh, the rest of the panel may have forgot that someone might bring up. So it's always a bit of fun. Um, On a side note, of course, F1 announced today on the day of recording that um, the sprint venues have been confirmed for 2023. And they pretty much were as we expected when we talked about this before. We've got Azerbaijan, Austria, Belgium, Qatar, USA, uh, Austin, USA, and Brazil. Of course, it was going to be Brazil. Guys, quick thoughts on that ones. Uh, are you happy with those venues in particular?
0: Yeah, they sound suitable. Um, they haven't done Monaco, so uh, at least, at least, at least they didn't make that ca- catastrophic error. So, I was, um, with some of the uh, decision making we've seen over the last couple of years, I thought they might have chosen Monaco just to piss us off further, but no. Happy feel that didn't happen, but yeah, I, I, I think if the sprint races are going to work, they are going to work on the circuits that they've chosen.
2: Yeah, poor old Charles Leclerc probably wouldn't win there either at the moment. It's just, uh, so that's something that's got to change for 2023. We've got to get Leclerc a home win at Monaco, but um, we'll yeah. Put it on the wish list. Yeah, we'll put it on the wish list. I, I'm with you there, Courtney. Um, I mean, look, we've said a lot about the sprint races. Some good, some not so good. I still think it's um, it's a concept that is growing But we do need to find the right venues. I mean, look, if we had a wish list, we'd probably all just say, well, why don't we just go to Brazil six times and have all the sprint races there? We'd probably get a lot of entertainment out of that, wouldn't we, Lee?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, um, we've we've been spoiled by the sprint races we've had in, in Brazil, but I'm sure a boring one will occur at some point. Can't, they can't all yeah. be interesting
2: <laughs> well i mean the baku one seems a bit tasty given that we've got that long back straight oh yeah Sorry, i mean yeah. um
1: a boring brazil great,
2: great oh, race. Right, oh right, right six see when you said one. a boring one i was thinking <laughs> spa maybe because you've got the first lap and then after that it's probably kind of over when everyone just goes into time oh, yeah. management what? wouldn't they
1: well, the spin race at spa will be one lap <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah the circus <laughs> i'll be too bad then to be honest but um <laughs> Yeah, let's know your thoughts, guys, on the sprint races. Um, and of course, you know some of the venues that weren't picked. I know some people are talking about Silverstone. I'm not really a fan of Silverstone being a sprint race, although I wouldn't have minded Silverstone being a sprint race because I'm going there next year, so it would have been quite cool to see that instead of a another practice session. But uh, they
1: should anyway. bring back the Nordschleife for the sprint race. Now that would be a, an epic. Uh, By the time race. it
2: takes you to get round there, you've completed <laughs> normal race distance anyway. So, um,
0: Adam, you, yeah, you better be vlogging. You better be vlogging when you go to Silverstone, you better
2: be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally, anybody that goes to Silverstone next year, it won't be hard to find me. It literally will just be a guy running around in Ferrari gear, looking happy or depressed, depending on what's going on, trying to, you know, Likely get attention. the latter. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Probably the latter.
0: <laughs> you but... know, you saw this small crime will have like fun now, you put for the last episode. Oh, what, like what A big just... cardboard cutout. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, could do. Yeah, I mean, if, if the other half gets a bit bored of the race and wants a break, I might just take one with me and sit it next to me halfway through. It's just like, yeah, the Ferrari Tafosi club is here, all in the uh, sympathy corner, one big sympathy corner. But, uh, you know, is that marvelous. a new grandstand
1: that they've
2: got? What's that Ferrari sympathy <laughs> corner? Sympathy corner. I think they call that Monza now. Yeah. So, um, I'll, tell you what,
0: they, I'll tell you what, they'd advertise that, would be so popular. <laughs> oh god,
2: yeah, yeah. The waiting list must be huge. I might try and start that. See if I actually get any traction on that. We'll make it a, like a forum of Ferrari fans that just support each other and you know. No, I reckon. I reckon designs.
0: one of the like the main sponsors would it It'd be called like the Santander stand or the UPS stand. So usually one of the big Ferrari sponsors, aren't they? So you oh, get a bit of money plenty. on this. Plenty of it's often. a movement. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, plenty of them, of course. Um, but, but look, you know, all jokes aside, guys, yeah. um, <clears throat> we're reviewing the 2022 season. And look, I joked already said it was a season that I wasn't really going to fondly look back on being a Ferrari fan. But there have been a lot of good moments this season, despite the fact that it was ultimately dominated and the championship wasn't quite what it was in 2021 for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have been talking about these new regulations. I think that was a huge talking point this season. And more importantly, how effective were they? Were they successful? Now we got, what was it, 25% of overtaken that Ross Braun was kind of hoping for, what he forecasted. We ended up with something along the lines of about 30%, 31% more overtaken than we got in 2021. So I don't know. I, I think based on what the aero regulations were put in place for, and they were primarily put in place to make the racing closer on track in terms of cars being able to follow each other more overtaking opportunities closer racing in that regard the competitiveness and how close the teams were all together was secondary but they were they were um expectations that weren't necessarily going to come straight away so i consider them to be a bit of a success quite frankly and um, what do you guys reckon
0: yeah like it, overall it was a success it's just like Let's just say, like, the average casual fan of F1, you'll most likely remember the season from, like, what happened at very front and who won the championship. So, if you go, oh, yeah, what happened in, I don't know, 2013, you'll be like, oh, Sebastian Vettel won. That's that's the first thing that comes to mind, like, even though, like, it shouldn't happen, really you do to sometimes forget about you know what happens at the back and in the midfield. Even though, in my opinion, you do actually get the best battles in the midfield. The, the best moments of the race come from the midfield, but obviously the prizes are at the very front. So generally speaking, it's the, it's the front that gets remembered. So you're right, we, we did have some good battles in the um, in the midfield, but it was just overshadowed. And look, you don't want to come across as like salty and knocking Red ball because at the end of the day, they, they did the best job they could. But for a casual fan, they're going to mainly remember it as the season that was dominated by Red Bull more than anything else.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what he became, um, definitely. Um, Lee, what do you reckon? Was it Were there new rules of success in your mind?
1: In regards to the battles, I think they were success. success. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> obviously, the rules, any, any new rules have a, a risk of creating one team that gets it right and the others get it wrong. But the rules weren't designed to do that. The rules were designed to close the racing and increase the chances of overtaking, which was met. There was a twenty-five percent increase. That's that's a, a, a correct and positive margin uh-huh. to say it's worked. So, unfortunately, yes, the the season was a bit of a domination, but that's a risk with a rule change of this magnitude. So, but you can't say that's um, not worked There's a the rule change. It's just an uh, unfortunate side effect, but it wasn't designed to make one team um, dominate the season.
2: Yeah, no, very, very true. And you make a good point on this because I think, not to gatekeep, but I do think that you get a lot of new fans into this sport that perhaps the first time that they watched Formula 1 was in 2021. And I think in a way, some fans that were in that position would have been definitely spoiled by the incredible championship battle that we had between Sir Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. In 2022, there would have been an expectation to have something similar. And I think the rules very much were set up where we were going to possibly have something like that. But then as you pointed out, Lee, you know, Red Bull were good, but they weren't really the top team at the time. Ferrari had the best car. And as the season went on, um, they started to fade away. They were making mistakes reliability-wise, strategy mistakes, driving mistakes, all of the above. Red Bull just got better and better and better and better until we got to the summer break. And they were just running away with it. Mercedes were never in the game until at the very end of the season. And even then, you can argue that it needed certain things to go their way for them to win a Grand Prix, which eventually they did do. So totally understandable. And it's not like 2009, you know, because back in 2009, and this is a comparison that I can make to what we saw this season. We saw a lot of these cars. Um, it was all brand new you know, all the stuff that we got from 2008, the only thing that carried over was pretty much the engine, the V8s. And, yeah. you know, that was the only thing that carried over from the previous set of regulations. So it was all brand new and it presented an opportunity for somebody to really steal a march on the leaders. And we got that. We had Williams, Toyota. um, We had Braun, Red Bull, obviously came to the fore for the first time. They weren't a championship contender until then. It took them that long to get there. Um, And then they never looked back since. In 2022 whilst there was a hope that we were going to get some sort of randomization early on we never really got that and i think the one of the biggest reasons for that was not necessarily because the big teams would have such an advantage over the competition it's just because these roles were so intense in what people were saying about them in terms of an overhaul and the dna carried over was a lot more a lot more sufficient than it was back in 2009 um, that the bigger teams were always going to have a leg up, and it was always likely that they were going to be stronger. And I think probably the only disappointment really that I can think of was that there was only one driver that finished on a podium that wasn't in a Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes, and that was Lando Norris. And that was that was you know out of nowhere as well. That you know that probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Charles Leclerc's error at Imola. So. I get what people are saying. I just think with the budget cap, assuming everybody follows it, the ATR regs, and I have to get that in, I'm sorry, but you know, <laughs> obvious reasons. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, just a little bit for one of our uh, surprises. But uh, um, <laughs> I've just completely alienated the Max Verstappen fan base right there. They've, they've gone <laughs> off now. Um, sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, you know, I just think that these regulations, they do need time. You know, I think in terms of the racing, it's great. We saw some great battles this year that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Um, but overall, I just think the regs, like the ATR regs, the budget cap and, you know, the resourcing stuff and everything else that comes with it, it does take time. But hopefully in the coming years, when some of the midfield teams are catching up, and they already are, we will see a much closer championship. So monologue aside, I think it's a good time to start with our... 2022 season review we've got a number of categories that i want to run by the panel and you guys please feel free to comment if you're watching this on youtube let us know your thoughts on some of these categories and let's start with a good one race of the year i think is a good place to start now i've got some honorable mentions but i want you guys to have a little run through um what you think the race of the year is and why lee what do you reckon
1: Well, the one that comes to mind for me as from the race of the year was Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. Um, And the back and forth duel between Charles and Max that went on for lap after lap. It just reminded me a lot of the, you know, what's called the the duel in the desert with Lewis and Nico where they're going uh, lap after lap and trying to get the positioning to get the person and defend it ironically yes Saudi Arabia is in a desert so <laughs> you could argue it's <laughs> in a desert too um but it was just a great craftsmanship from both drivers and how that race um went down obviously Max gone on, on the head on that one or uh, won the race but just how they the, at the time when Ferrari um, and Red Bull were uh, in the championship Ferrari obviously leading at that point it was a great um from two ta- top talents in the sport and it was a it was really enjoyable to watch uh, uh, that
2: race i think my favorite moment from that race was um when you had leclerc and verstappen playing drs chicken with each other yeah. that, that was, was so funny <laughs> i mean it, in a way it was kind of like um made me think back to what happened last year between max and lewis which obviously wasn't funny and that was a different thing altogether but part of me was like oh god they're not kind of they're not doing this again max isn't up to his old tricks again with this stuff but no it was it was really well execute between the two and it was so funny given that these guys were fighting for the leader of a race in a race that wasn't i mean it was dominated by them too but it wasn't like they were scampering away from everybody at that point like you think how are they playing this game with each other there's like 18 other cars race alongside but it was actually quite entertaining um it's just a shame that the safety car kind of ended it just as leclerc was about to try and get him at the end but uh yeah. no that's a good shout lee I, I i i think Jeddah was up there for me not my number one um what about you courtney
0: yeah, Jeddah would have been my second choice, but I fully agree with what you're saying, Lee. Um, that was a fantastic race. For me, I'm going to go with Brazil. Ooh. I think Brazil. Yeah, I do. I think. I think Brazil was the. Uh, you know, we, we touched on it about the sprint race. I think Brazil was the best example of how well these new regulations can work, and it was also good to see Mercedes back in the battle. And I think that was. Brazil was the race that sort of gave us like a teaser of what we're hoping to see next season, a potential free team battle. I just think that that was the race that got me salivating and what was overall a bit of a drab season.
2: <laughs> I was just, sorry, I was just trying to think of a quip um, to respond to that, but part of me was like, yeah, Brazil, George Russell win, Mercedes, probably a good reason. I mean, that's fine. I mean... It's just I could argue like, why I like Bahrain so much because it was a Ferrari one too. But um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I mean, good shout, good shout. I think Brazil, I mean, it was certainly the way, the I best don't season. just
0: mean the race, I mean the weekend No, that's general. what I mean, yeah.
2: It was certainly the yeah. best weekend of the year. I would yeah. absolutely agree with that one. Yeah. Definitely the best weekend of the year because, you know, the sprint was great as well. K-Mag on mm-hmm. pole on Friday. Yeah, yeah. That same. was, you know, that was awesome. And George kind of caused all of that by getting a red flag. So he had a busy weekend. He still started P3 as well while he was at it. But um, no, no, fair enough. Um, I've gone with Silverstone. I think that race had everything. It had overtakes, it had drama. It had a, a long race battle for the lead, a Ferrari mess up, not once but twice with the pit stop and also the lack of team orders. Um, obviously, had a bit of a scary crash, which obviously, granted, is not a positive, but it does add an element of excitement to it. We had protesters, which were completely ignored because of that um and yeah obviously the commentary was fantastic on that day the hamilton double overtake on perez and leclerc that battle for p2 was phenomenal at the end of the race mm. um so for me i think it has to be silverstone it just and had silverstone was
1: my second choice if, if i had
2: to pick one so we're at a bit of a quandary in this because <laughs> yeah. i was i was kind of <laughs> hoping that two of us would agree on the same one to oh. get a majority so what i'm going to do i'm going to put it to you guys are any of us at feeling like after what we've heard from each other that we're ready to concede that perhaps one of the others was more Um, right or we're just going to stick to what we got
0: i'd like to stick to it obviously being the stubborn person that i am but (laughs) i I think we've all made a good reference to jeddah so i'm i'm willing i'm willing to have a splinter in my backside on this one and I'd say Jeddah because I think we've all, as I said, I think we've all spoken very highly of Jeddah. I think like, it's, Jeddah was on the minds of all three of us. I think that's been the one consistent feature in what we've just been talking about.
2: That's fair. Um, Lee, probably don't need to import on that one because you went for Jeddah. So yep. um, <laughs> I'm going to respectfully disagree and stick with Silverstone, but I've been outruled <laughs> here on my own show damn it um so uh no so you i'll say cool.
1: it, i would agree on things you yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: trying a lot i'm trying to you know orchestrate a democracy here the only way i can do that is if i honor it through the first category so i have to start as i <laughs> mean to go on i will let that one go fine uh dnf1 race of the year Jeddah. great um so uh let me know guys in the comments if you agree and uh, please let us know if you guys agree with me, and, and not them, but uh, fair enough. If you spam Jeddah in the comments, then fair enough. Um, okay, this one, I feel like we're not going to have much deliberation on. So, worst race of the year. It's got to be Mexico.
0: Mexico or Monaco? You reckon Monaco?
2: Monaco Monaco had a few moments, oh. Courtney. like the Ferrari strategy mess-up, Perez's rain drive, Max was... Losing his rag on the radio, and Mercedes were chilling. I think I don't know what they were. Are we talking?
0: Are we talking about the weekend in general? No,
2: no, no. Just the race. Just
0: the race. Okay, then yeah, yeah, yeah. then Mexico.
1: Um, um, For me, the (laughs) the worst race was Japan. Really, I thought Japan. Japan had its moments. No, I really um, thought Japan was a bit of. Maybe it was because of the delays with the rain, just really. And then the the points for it just read really, um, left a sour taste in my mouth with uh, how they they went down the results of the the points, and then no one actually knows Max is the champion. <laughs> uh, the especially the FIA.
2: Well, they <laughs> did know, didn't they? Like they had the um, I can't remember who it was. They had someone running around up and down the paddock yeah. from the FIA. He was he but knew that, was... that Max was world champion. Everyone Good, else was me, scrambling. Was,
1: Japan was the worst uh, race of the the year.
2: Well, I forget, fair enough. I was surprised to hear that. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't definitely. It definitely wasn't noteworthy or memorable or anything like that. But I didn't think it was the worst race. I thought Mexico. Wow! The, if it wasn't for Daniel Ricciardo, there would literally be nothing positive to talk about from the Mexico race. Mm. And I love the Mexican fan base, and I think it's a great circuit. I just think it's been ruined by that final sector, which, yes. let's be honest, is just a showpiece at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't even think they'd fix it by changing it back to what it used to be with the old peril tower corner that, um, Mantle famously celebrated uh, a little bit prematurely in the Ferrari when he won there. But, um, maybe okay. they should take a,
1: uh, uh, a- uh, so get the word out, Lee. Um, take a picture out of uh, Miami's book and put in a, a marina in in the arena section.
2: Oh God, I was worried where you were going there with that when you said take a picture out of Miami's book, and I'm like, mm, not so sure where you're going with that. But uh, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, well, okay. Well, I think we're fairly agreed on that one. Even if Lee's mentioned yep. Japan, um, worst race of the year, Mexican Grand Prix. Here's one that might actually be a bit interesting. Now, the best overtake of the year. There's quite a few in there, so we can oh. talk about a few of these.
0: Oh, it has, to, it has to be uh it has to be um Lewis or Max in uh, Brazil. <laughs> 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 I, had to, I had to I had to. And I'll try to keep a straight face while saying it as well. I couldn't actually look at you. I couldn't look at you when I said it. Oh so <laughs>
2: We've done it already. Oh. We're literally like twenty minutes in, and uh, oh, <laughs> I can already feel the the hate. Now it's it's not fun. It's not fun. Uh, the wrath. Uh, yeah. Well, well it that... might, the only thing to keep you warm this winter, but uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: There was there was quite. A few, do you know what Sebastian Vettel did? A few tasty ones, didn't
2: he? The one in um, Kota ran the outside of yeah. Kevin Magnussen yeah. on the last lap. That was good. He set that overtake up for about half a lap, and I love those sometimes because. You get like dive bombs and you get the good little switch back here or there or stuff like that, like what we saw with Leclerc and Verstappen in Bahrain, which was another good one actually, to be fair. But Leclerc had measured that for about half a lap and he didn't try to waste it. He waited for the moment, went around the outside um, before the penultimate corner and that sort of outside bit where you go offline and you're in the marbles, you're literally in the shadow realms, quite frankly. He kept it together and he just lunged at the final corner. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, was it like P5 or P6 or something like that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He did, he did well that weekend. I'm I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel.
2: That's definitely no, up I'm, there.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the USA, but I have to, obviously now that there's more than one, I say in Texas. <laughs> well, that's, what I, there,
2: so. I, that's what I mean, yeah. It's because uh, the other races as well, obviously Vegas next year as well. But uh, yeah, Vettel coated us a good shout. Um, Lee, what do you reckon?
1: Uh, you actually mentioned that in your wrong when you chose Silverstone, is that Lewis Hamilton double overtake for me was? Oh yeah, um, that's a good one. The, the
2: best overtake. What was about that one that made you think that's the best one?
1: <clears throat> for me, uh, it was where, all right, he was coming up to the the two cars that were squabbling, and then it's just the classic Lewis of taking advantage of the situation that presented himself, and. It's like he drove, drove um, around them and they didn't even know there was this third car there. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, thank you very much. That's uh, my position and our uh, two positions, actually. Um, and it's just, especially at the start of the season, Lewis had with the the bouncing um, and all the testing that Mercedes were doing on Lewis's car. It was like, yeah, Lewis is there because there was all these questions about, oh, is Lewis gone now? Is It's, it's over. Driver. Yeah, finished driver. And it just proved that it wasn't the case. And it was just a just a very skillful overtake.
2: No, that's a good shout, to be fair. Um, as I said, the commentary on that, the roar, the crowd, it was all there. It was really good. I mean, it was a fantastic battle as well. And and those three guys, they literally were just pushing each other all over the circuit. You know, yeah. some of them going wide here and there. and It was crazy stuff. And I like stuff like that sometimes. You know, I get we have to be confined to track limits and stuff like that. But then there were just occasions where... Everyone just goes hell for leather. It's all respectful. It's all good racing. They didn't force each other off like anything crazy or, anything or put each other in the wall. It was really good, hard, fair race. And it was so fun to watch. And definitely up there. It was a brilliant move from Hamilton. Um, I am not going to agree with that, though, Lee, I'm afraid. But I'm going to pick a move from the same race. And um, maybe this is the Leclerc fanboy in me coming out a bit. But Leclerc on Hamilton, round the outside of Cops on old tyres. That was, for me, was unbelievable. Bearing in mind, it had only been a year ago at the time since Max and Lewis had come together at the same corner on the first lap of that race. And I'm not going to lie, when I was watching it on the broadcast, the camera angle wasn't great because it kind of missed some of it. Um, And then Leclerc just got through and you're thinking, how's he done that? And then you watch the replay and see he'd gone around the outside of Hamilton. I almost winced watching that replay because I just expected Hamilton to understeer on old tyres hit Leclerc, and then it's just the same thing again, so the fact that Leclerc pulled it off was just phenomenal, quite frankly, so, um, there's a few honourable mentions as well, I should mention, like, I did put a few on the list, um, Verstappen passing Leclerc at Imola in the sprint, ran the outside of turn one, I thought was pretty good, Stroll was in this list, um, he passed multiple cars in Japan in the wet off the start, round the inside, and he couldn't really see anything, I thought that was quite good, um, is there any other ones? Uh, Leclerc's move on Perez in Cota. Yeah, it was all right. Not as good as Vettel's, though, probably. Um, so what So what do we reckon, guys? We've got three. So, Lee, you've gone with uh, Hamilton's double overtake Silverstone at Club and Vale. I've gone with Leclerc around the outside of Hamilton at Cops. And Courtney, just to remind you, went with Vettel passing Magnussen at Cota.
1: Yeah.
2: Any of us feeling like conceding a little bit? I'm prepared to concede for Vettel.
1: I'm prepared
2: to concede for Vettel. Oh, well, that's easy then. We'll go for that then. <laughs> overtake of the year, Sebastian Vettel, Randy, outside of Kevin Magnussen at Cota. No, fair enough. Nice and easy. Uh, let's see what other categories we got. We've done best overtake. Um, I'm going to go for next category. Most underwhelming team of the year.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm going to throw the... F- yeah, go on, gone. go on.
0: Yeah, Alpha Romeo.
2: Alfa Romeo? Whoa. Yeah, do explain, sir. <laughs> Alfa Mayo. That's I was not expecting that. No, I wasn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alfa Mayo are the type of team that you know could have used these uh, regulation uh, changes as an opportunity to push on. We saw a smaller teams like Haas at least to give it a go, but I think Alfa Romeo um, really disappointing was was expecting more, particularly. Given that they had some like Valchie Bottas who's a multiple championship winner, I thought finally we're we seeing some ambition from Alfa Romeo. But yeah, no, they uh they, they started okay and then they just disappeared halfway through the season and they they just continue to be the the most mid midfield team you could possibly think of.
2: You know, we've never really used the term mid to describe someone, but I'm pretty sure we just got Courtney's version of it with Alfa Romeo. <laughs> I think we should have a prediction next year, Lee, where we just think, will there be a moment where Courtney praises Alfa Romeo or gives them credit <laughs> or is impressed by them? I don't know. But um, I mean, when you said Alpha, I thought we were all going to agree on this one. I feel like, Lee, I yes, know what so you're going to say. But yeah. I'm just going to, I'm pretty certain we're going to be together on this one, Lee. Alpha Towery. Got to be oh, there. yeah, Alpha Tauri.
1: Pre- on our last episode, my prediction, the best prediction of the year, I mean, mm. it's got to be Alpha Tauri. Well, not quite the best <laughs> prediction of the year, but no, no, it was the best um... <laughs> prediction. It was the best prediction. It was the best prediction. Don't take that away from me.
2: <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. But uh, no, I, I've, I've got to say, Alpha Tauri this year, um, very disappointing. I was hoping, I mean, I don't want to overestimate them. I probably did a little bit in my predictions, but I felt that this was going to be a team that. Would be again nipping at the heels of the likes of McLaren and and Alpine and Aston Martin, um, and they just never looked. Perhaps uh, other than the start of the season where they might have been there or thereabouts, they just never really progressed on. They went the wrong way on their concept. I'm not really holding out much hope from ne- hope for next season either. To be fair, but um, you know we'll come to that as and when. So uh, I think we're a split on this one. Alpha Tauri, Lee and I, and uh, Courtney's gone with Alpha Mayo. So DNF one. Underwhelming team of the year, Alpha Tauri. Let's hope for better for them next season. Um, most underwhelming driver of the year, Lee. I'm let you go first on this Ooh, one.
1: I mean, it's a tough choice.
2: Um, but I feel like there's an obvious name here, but I'm intrigued to see which one it's going to be.
1: The, oh, it's going to be Nicholas the TV. I'm afraid.
2: Underwhelming though, maybe mm. worst driver of the uh, year but no- most underwhelming though I get your point
1: but for me it's still Nicholas Satifi as the most underwhelming
2: ah uh, fair enough me. what about you convince me yeah. otherwise oh, I think we're about <laughs> yeah, to
0: what really yeah Gadsley oh man yeah, we're, we're yeah gonna... I've, 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 i i i I've think about like, particularly towards the end of the season it, it seems like the, the guy was on a mission to get um to get a race ban. Like, <laughs> I, I know Alfa we weren't at the races this year, but what did Pierre Gasly do this year? Usually, Pierre Gasly does something, even when he doesn't have the machinery, usually Pierre Gasly gets the big results.
1: Well, he signed but for a f- new team this year, Courtney, that's what he did.
0: Well, that's, it. Like, <laughs> that, that, that's the thing, like, it, it, it just, it just seems to me that Pierre Gasly's mind, obviously, obviously it was, but Pierre, Pierre Gasly's mind was was elsewhere you know Pierre was one of the guys that as I said he was always a guy that would deliver those shock results and I don't think he did it this year
2: no fair enough um I'd be surprised to hear Pierre guys I mean I totally agree that he was rather underwhelming I think the car played as much part in that as he did um I I'm gonna go with Danny Rick to be honest um I love Danny Rick I was really hoping that this season he would turn it around although admittedly I did say in my predictions that he wouldn't Um, And it made me quite sad that I was right. I just felt that, you know, for whatever reason, it just never worked for him. And it has played a part in him losing his seat at McLaren. And as I said, I would love to see him back in F1. Hopefully, you know, he goes away, has a bit of a break, comes back stronger. But uh, for me, very disappointed. And ultimately, if Danny Rick was anywhere near up to the standard that he should have been this season, McLaren would have comfortably finished P4. In the standings, Lando was phenomenal, and, and Danny Rick was just equally not that great, unfortunately. So, unless uh, any of us are willing to concede on ours in exchange for another, no, I'll concede. Oh, I'll concede. where's yeah, Lee going?
1: Yeah. No, I'll go. Um, there's a very good point about Pierre, um, but I think I do. Uh, you think about it, yes. Uh, so Nicholas is for me, he's an underwhelming driver, and he's probably the, still the worst, but he is expected to deliver that performance where Daniel wasn't expected and he thought he had, everyone thought he had improved this year, with the new cars yeah. and he didn't. So yeah, I would agree with you on your one there, Adam.
2: Hey, right. Well, I'm not proud of being right about that, but, um, I'm going to accept it anyway. So underwhelming driver of the year, Daniel Ricciardo, unfortunately, but hopefully that's the last time he wins that award. And he goes back and absolutely kills it. If he comes back to F1, we'll have to wait and see. Seeing though, Lee, as you mentioned Latifi, I'm going to make it up to you by having a little bit of a fun one for us Um, in honor of the great man, go himself. Now that he's moving on to pastures new and hopefully better fortunes elsewhere, we're going to do a separate award for go moment of the year. Now, There are a few in here. Um, I want you guys to see if you can think of any that are worthy of this list. I've got a few listed down and we'll pick our favourite of the ones available. So uh, what ones have we got, guys?
1: Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember one that from Abu Dhabi, where I predicted uh, Latifi was going to end up in the wall.
2: (laughs) And he did... In fairness to him, that wasn't his fault though. It wasn't his fault. I do <laughs> I do
1: admit that. But it was like I just got enough in the wall in the last face of the season again. Alright, it didn't cause a safety car. It wasn't his fault. But it was just for me, that was just tickled me pink where it was a uh, I predicted it and
2: <laughs> he
0: did it Fair one enough. way or another.
2: Go on then, Corney. Have you got a go you um, moment?
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's when he it got uh, lost. I think it was in Japan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that because that was oh. the one
2: I was... I mean, I, I've got a couple that I'm going to run through that I thought. Yeah. Um, that is definitely, for me, the one. Um, we got Not only that, you got lost going the wrong way at Suzuka, but you then blamed it on the car. Immediately after on the radio, you said there's something wrong with this car. I'm like, yeah, you turned right. And funny thing is, you went right. It was like a Lightning McQueen moment. Turn left to go right. Um, getting P10 in qualifying at Silverstone, you know yeah. that's, a, that's a good one. Got into Q3, mm-hmm. that is impressive. His first ever Q3 appearance. One of my other favourite ones with the this season. Got a purple sector one in Hungary qualifying. Still finished a lap of P20. How do, how do you do that? <laughs> you got a purple sector one. A green sector two personal best, and he ended up seven and a half temps off the uh, cut-off time to get through and end up P20. I mean, oh, no. that's, that's goaded yeah. stats right there, honestly. Yeah, that
1: hurts. Um, but I know you two have agreed on the...
2: Come uh, on, Lee. Join but, the majority. But you know I wouldn't you agree to. with it, um, <laughs> with the Japan in Suzuka. I mean, it has um, to be. It has to be.
1: But the one thing I will add is all right it's going tfee but he shows you the call he's not a great driver because he didn't start it out kimmy went the wrong way and he's like i know what i'm doing leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> just start it out <laughs> and you're like yeah i know what i'm doing leave me alone it's like okay it's not the car he's just he knows what he's doing leave <laughs> him do his job but yeah that, that's the son of a great driver he just he knows what you're doing
2: no that's yeah. it that is absolutely it mate um you know, as I said, yeah, Kimmy, it can happen to anybody. It happens to a world champion, and Kimmy styled it out, found his way back on, and just cracked on with it. But uh, no, it was it was just the fact that he just blamed the car, yeah. even though yeah. he just casually turned right as if it was like, oh, you know, this is unexpected. wasn't expecting this, um, we'll, we'll move away from the uh mistakes and mess up for. And don't worry, guys, I'm going to bleep this out because um, we've got to keep this podcast clean. It's the <laughs> of the year award now. I'm wondering what you guys have got to come back with. So I'm going to let you go first before I end up monopolising this into a separate category. And you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute. So, uh, Courtney, you look like you're chomping at the bit to get this one. So, uh,
0: it's, 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 it's annoying because I want to pop the Latifi one in that category as well. <laughs> well I know you can yeah, well, You
2: can, you can if you want to. Uh... I mean, you can, win, you can win more than one award in this uh award ceremony if you like
0: I think I've, I think it's, it's 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 either that and you know, I've got I've got another one which is random and I I know this one isn't going to work because I'm, I'm only going for this because I can't choose a Latifi one it has to be that you know that out of character pit stop for Max Verstappen that could have messed up his race but it's only because sort of the circumstances of the race changed he had a really bad pit stop I can't remember where I know it's the latter end of the season he had a really bad pit stop that you know could have messed up his face. And usually, Red Bull right on it with their uh, with their pit stops.
1: That was um, Austin. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. that mm.
2: yeah. Right. Yeah, that was right because he ended up out behind Leclerc, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and yeah. He got past Leclerc, and then he caught Hamilton and got him just before the end, didn't he? So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that definitely is uh, unlike Red Bull. I mean, you know, Max made a few mistakes this year as well. Um, he you know made i remember people saying like he made a mistake in spain and he made a mistake in hungary and i thought well yeah but he still won both those races i mean in hungary max did a 360 spin and still won that race (laughs) like it was just showing off at that point um but you know it can happen um lee you got any uh any special moments like that
1: oh i would say i've got a couple um can i include ferrari just the team was (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. just overall's just overall
0: what the no, Ferrari team and that's yeah, it like... yeah I, like, I, I will fully back in early <laughs> <laughs> just a can, can result. I think
2: I think can... this is going to be the one category all three of us agree on that Ferrari should definitely win this particular award so much okay, so
1: just Ferrari yeah yeah <laughs> just, just Ferrari, Ferrari. <laughs> we don't have
2: to go into specifics I mean we can if you want just for the fun of it
1: yeah well I've got a few more but yeah I was just checking if I could do <laughs> Ferrari um, just a singular um but other ones come to mind is in brazil ferrari again charles Leclerc mm. qualifying the wet tires or the intermediates when everyone else is on the six and then to make it worse go and do a lap on it
2: yeah by the time he gets back it's like it's, it's raining <laughs> now right? like, yeah. cr-
1: you just admit you've done a bad decision and mm. correct it but no <laughs> it's like it will rain it, will rain. No, it that was a, a good one um or another one is Silverstone, which I was a clerk. Yep. Um, I'm not going to go into details of that one. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm sure that, that'll put you in pain going through that moment. Just repressing um, it right now. Or, so, so much a uh, one category, but it was painful to watch for me, was in Oshio Carlos Sainz's car when it caught on yeah. fire, mm. and then rolled back down the hill and oh, couldn't God, get the brake yeah. uh, like, one. And France? Yeah, but it, what, there wasn't so much roll for me. It was rolling down the hill with the car on fire. Yeah. it's like yeah. oh, ha- how can he get out safely, and the car could just roll on fire down into the race circuit. <laughs> you just think of what accident that could have caught and it's right. It's no one's fault in that sense, but it, oh, that was a. Uh, that was a nasty one, um, but I would go my Ferrari <laughs> as my first choice.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking back like Ferrari at Monaco with Leclerc's strategy, Ferrari at Silverstone with Leclerc twice with the team orders and the strategy. Ferrari in Hungary when they put both of them on the hard tyres when Leclerc was fighting for a race win and ended up nowhere, a race that was ultimately won by Max Verstappen. Um, Ferrari leading the championship at Melbourne by 44 points with Leclerc and the constructors by about 40 points. Ended up being 150 points off the drivers title and 200 on the constructors. Uh have I got any non have I got any non-Ferrari? What well, this is such a depressing list I've made for myself here, honestly. <laughs> like this literally, guys, when I was making the thumbnail for the last episode, me sitting there looking depressed in a Ferrari gear. This is when this was when I was writing out these and you know, reminiscing back to uh Ferrari sympathy corner as I was doing this. So you can imagine my uh, depression on that topic. But um, I mean, yeah, we've got to give it to Ferrari. Oh, actually, no, one of my personal favourites, Matt Binotto, uh, former Ferrari team boss, today. well, team boss until the end of the year, at least, um, claiming Ferrari could win the remaining 10 races during the summer break. Ended up winning none of them. Even oh Mercedes no. won a race. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so oh, I, th- I, I, th- I think we've got so many in there, guys. I can't pick a particular favourite. Perhaps you guys in the comments might pick a favourite out of the ones we've got, but I think we can all agree <laughs> of the year was just Ferrari. Just Ferrari. <laughs> we don't yeah. have to specify. They just get it all. <laughs> well done, guys. Great. Uh let's see, you've got some actually on on the subject of Ferro, like we joke about this, but it did seem to me that the obvious the obvious thing that we did learn is that Leclerc obviously got a lot of bad luck with a lot of these calls and reliability and that's definitely one thing he's got to learn to improve next year. Because whilst he had those issues, Signs, on the other hand, was potentially plagued by the same problems. But he ended up just managing his own race most of the time. He'd run around going, oh, stop inventing. Or no, we're not doing this, we're doing this. And for me, whilst Sines spent a lot of his time at the start of the season in the gravel trap or making mistakes or struggling to acclimatise to these new cars, he really grew into the second half of the season. And that ability that he had to manage his race and to make the right call at the right time, which ultimately got him a race win, um, it was such a great skill that he's shown and it's something that Leclerc has often lacked this season. He's been a victim of the fact that he's relied so much on the team. And, and look, you can you can say to Leclerc that he did the right thing in that regard, that he was listening to his team because they're the ones with the data, they're the experts, they're the strategists, they're the ones that can see everything going on more so than what you can in the cockpit but this is Ferrari. And, you know, if you don't believe me, ask Sebastian Vettel or ask Fernando Alonso or Kimi Raikkonen before them, and, and, and even Felipe Massa to a degree as well. You have to look at those things and think if Leclerc is going to be successful at Ferrari, he needs to be more like Sainz in that regard. You know, he yeah. doubt he was yeah. faster than Sainz this year. No doubt about it. But
1: yeah. Yeah. what I would say is he's got the speed definitely, but he doesn't show the team leader skills that, Carlos Sainz, through. so although the, he may be moving himself to be the number one in the team, or his manager may be moving himself to be number one, it's Carlos Sainz has got the the skill set, of I mean, not the speed, but the skill set to be the, the number one in the team lead.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, but I, I just wanted to get my thoughts on that because it is an interesting point and I just feel like for Leclerc next season, I really hope, not just because I'm a Ferrari fan, but I really hope that next year is his year but he's definitely going to have to be that guy. He's going to have to take charge. You can't just sit there and let Ferrari manage his race for him because, as we've all seen, that's just not going to happen, quite frankly, in terms of winning a title. They need to be better than that. Um, Next category, guys. Uh, Biggest shock this season. What moment surprised you, if any, this season?
0: Mercedes winning a race. Really? Yeah, if you asked me at the beginning of the season would Mercedes win a race, I'd say no. And even going... Even going to Brazil, I thought they'd messed up their best chance. I thought their best chances would have come in um, USA or Japan. They didn't come. So I really thought it was going to go without seeing the Mercedes win this season. And uh, George Russell surprised us.
2: I think, for me, it's probably Mercedes being off the pace by so much at the start of the season. Yeah. That's what surprised me. That was the shock for me this season. Um. I mean, there's a few thing in there. You know, you've got the Red Bull breaching the cost cap. I think that's something that's probably worth mentioning as well. Mm. That was a shock this season. Um, just because we, we, we kind of expected everyone to kind of stick to it, really, for some reason. And, um, you know, it was a bit of a surprise. Uh, Magnussen getting pole in Brazil. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, Lee, you got any good ones that we could put in this category? <laughs>
1: Okin saying he's the better driver than Fernando Alonso.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's oh. much, that's got the shock value to it. I think that's um,
1: yeah. Well, it's, it's shocking that he tried to say that. <laughs> it might have been
2: shocking to Fernando Alonso when he first heard it, <laughs> but um, no, fair enough. Um, oh, I have got a good one. The the Piastri Alonso bombshell with Alpine. Oh, yeah. That was a shock in the yeah. summer break. When Fernando Alonso said he was leaving after Seb yeah. Vettel retired and um, said he was joining Aston Martin. And then literally a day later, Oscar Piastri coming out after Alpine saying he was he was being promoted to saying, no, we've not agreed this. And then obviously what happened afterwards, that was pretty... Yeah. That was something. I, I'm, I'm prepared to give that the shock of the season, quite frankly.
1: Um, I, I, For me, I think the shock is the Mercedes being so far off and getting it so wrong...
0: I'm going to go with Lee on this one because I kind of went there in my own way. So I'm going to go with Lee.
2: No, fair enough. Um, Well, I did start with that, so I'm prepared to concede that one. Although, yeah, that Piastri one was pretty cool. But yeah, shock of the season, Mercedes being so far off the pace. It was almost a shock, as you said, Courtney, that they ended up winning a Grand Prix because at some Mm. point we thought that had gone. Best moment of the year. This is a good one. Um, I'm going to start it off. We've mentioned this one a few times already, but I think Hamilton's double overtake at Club and Vale at Silverstone. I think for a moment, if you want to describe or define what Formula One is and why we all know and love it, it's just that overtake. And everything that came with it, it was the location at Silverstone. Uh, one of my favourite circuits, arguably the home of Formula One in that regard, depending on who you ask, really, it's probably a British perspective. But, you know, uh, it's a British show, what do you expect? um the fact that it was Sir Lewis Hamilton the most successful driver of all time in many people's eyes the greatest of all time um in the Mercedes in front of a packed out British crowd that were roaring and cheering such a euphoria of eruption um that literally would deafen people that were at the circuit it was amazing um over a Red Bull and a Ferrari that were you know fighting for P2 the commentary was phenomenal I feel like I'm not I feel like I'm selling this as much as I can do. I'm really trying here, but just to describe it, if 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 you never saw it, guys, go back and watch it on YouTube. It was some hell of a moment and I think that kind of summed up how special the 2022 season was. One moment you could pick. I think it has to be that one.
0: I don't, Lee, I'm going to pass this on to you, mate. So I don't know. I'm trying to, I can't pick one.
1: Okay. Um, the one that comes to mind for me, I, I do like your one, Adam, but the one that comes to me is and on off track, well, it was on track, but it wasn't racing. Was Sebastian Vettel's farewell speech at the end of the season after the Abu Dhabi race? Oh, and that was no. such a, it was such a, um, it was, yeah, it's just a, for me, it was just a heartwarming uh, speech for him to I mean, get the opportunity to speak to the fans and say his goodbye, have his donut obviously, beforehand. Um, obviously, he wasn't flanked by uh, Sir Lewis or Fernando because um, they're both. Mm well i no, didn't finish but um yeah for me that was the the, the moment of the this season
2: nick <laughs> Schumacher trying to join in a sector away and was told off for doing Coffee. donuts <laughs> by the hus team which is uh, uh i knew you were going to get me with that one it's like playing the emotional card ah oh, going between my head and my heart on this one ah oh, fine yeah. fine we'll we'll go with the heart one we'll go with the heart
0: See, as soon as I can't can't go with my chest with any, I'm going to go with yours, Lee. Yeah, fair
2: enough. Sebastian Vettel at the end of the season, retiring after a legendary career four World Championships and, what was it, 14, 15 seasons in this sport? Yeah, fair enough. Moment of the year, Seb Vettel. This will be a fun one. The individual drive of the year. Now, this isn't specifically to one race. This can include a whole weekend as well. Um, and for me, there's there's a few good shouts in here. Mm, um, yeah. What do you guys reckon?
0: I'm gonna go for signs at Silverstone.
2: Really? Okay. What yeah. what was about? What was it about? his driving Silverstone.
0: So I, I think he started the season poorly um, with Ferrari. He's yet to win a race. He's very much rusted into a team that belonged to Charles Leclerc. Silverstone was a race that offered a bit of everything, and it was Carlos Sainz, you know, who made the calls and made the race work out for him. So, I think all things considered, I'm going to go for Carlos Sainz as Silverstone.
2: Oh, fair enough. Pretty, pretty good mention. Um, Lee, what about you, mate?
0: Yeah, um, that
1: was. I've got two options. One of them was the Carlos Sainz at Silverstone. Uh, another one. It would be Sergio at uh, uh, Monaco. Be it if you believe the the rumours or the accusations that were thrown about about what happened in qualifying. <laughs> it's a, a different matter, but there was still a to get that pole position um, intentionally or um, maliciously. It, no, I'm not going to deb- debate about that. But then he's driving to obviously secure the win. All right, helps to be on pole, but considering was it, it, he was the number two driver and obviously they will try and get Max to get the win. And Max was obviously very annoyed by that, which is presumably the action the room of the actions where he did in Brazil, not conceding the pace to Sergio um, when they were asked to. Um, uh, just for me, it just, that's a, a very solid drive from Sergio.
2: Is it wrong that every time I've watched the replay of that incident with Perez in qualifying makes me feel even more that perhaps maybe he did do something like not, you know, to try and cause a red flag or anything like that. Please
0: but tell you know. me you've heard the, the audio when you get when he got hit by signs.
2: What was it? Something like oof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, you
0: haven't, you haven't, you haven't, have you seen it?
2: No, no, I've seen the replay, like the throttle input. Yeah. But I like I've heard that. I didn't hear the team radio afterwards at the time.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna have to send it, honestly. Is it Anybody bad? who's listening, oh it's funny, the noise he makes, it. It, it it sounds like something like a character in anime makes during a fight. Oh, like, right. honestly, <laughs> I'll find it. I'll find it. But anybody listening, please find the audio. It's, it's, it's those small moments that make me tickle. You know the way Luke always goes on about Canada when the uh, when the steward fell over. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Ten yeah. years later, mm. it's one of those moments.
2: Yeah, bit of an inside joke that one uh, for those who don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, uh, individual drive of the season. There's so many good ones, but I'm I'm going to go with George in Brazil. I think that weekend he was he was brilliant. All right, yeah, qualifying made that mistake, which but you know he still ended up with P three, and the sprint race he was brilliant. The main race, you know, he, he had that great battle with Max Verstappen, great overtake on him, um, and and he never looked back. Even when he had pressure from that safety car at the end, for me it was just so impressive the way he held it all together to get his first win. Uh, for me, I think that was the individual driver of the year that weekend from George Russell. Uh, there's a few honourable mentions. I mean, Max Verstappen in yeah. Belgium was phenomenal. The fact that he got from P14 to to the lead within about 12 laps and mm-hmm. just dominated. I've never seen anybody win a race from that far back in that particular fashion. And I, and I think it kind of just testifies how dominant the guy's been all year. I mean, mm-hmm. he's won 15 Grand Prix, um, another World Championship, almost a record points t- uh, total. Well, the advantage, anyway, the total, I think he's actually got the most in the season anyway. Um, I mean it's just ridiculous stuff from Max Verstappen and it kind of is a bit of a hallmark of what we've said about him for years and that he's so good that once he gets the car behind him that's going to be so quick just watch what he does and I think we're seeing that right now and and this performance really summed it up this year and he didn't go for any ridiculous dive bombs or anything in that race he literally everything was measured um, it was like he was driving on easy mode and he and was like I'm going to be in the lead soon it's just I'll just take my time and pick him off when I can
0: yeah, but he's, he's, I think it's because we're, we're picking up like the highlights, but it is easy to forget about how well Max drove this season.
2: Mm. Um, there's a few others: Lando Norris, Imola. I think mm. you know that was a bit of an under the radar drive, but you know it was yeah. good enough to get on the podium, and it was the only podium from a driver that wasn't in one of the top three cars. So I think you have to give him props for that. Hamilton in Spain. You know that recovery was pretty impressive after that first lap incident with Magnussen, and uh, pretty much on the leader's pace for the rest of the Grand Prix, while siphoning his way through the field. I think he got in, what was it with top four after that, or something like that, top five. Um, so that was pretty good. I mean, I'm still I'm still going with George Russell for Brazil, though. Um, what do you guys reckon?
0: Uh, I, I'm I'm, I'm going to stick with signs on this one.
2: Yeah, I think I, uh,
1: the, two, the ones I said, I think I'll go with Carlos Sainz. In Silverstone?
0: Yeah.
2: Fair enough. Uh, DNF on drive of the year is Carlos Sainz at Silverstone. Um, we've only got a couple more categories left, so I want to go for the worst or the most embarrassing moment of the year, and this one might be a little bit sombre, Um, but are there any in particular that stick in your mind, guys?
0: It has to be for um, the embarrassment for Alpine. So it was the double whammy of Alonso leaving so abruptly and then getting rejected by their own junior category driver.
2: Oh, that is quite embarrassing. That is quite embarrassing to be fair. That's a good shout. Um, Lee, what about you, mate? That was the one I was
1: going to suggest was the embarrassing one was Alpine.
2: (laughs) Oh, right. Okay. Well, let me see if I can kind of... Well, I don't want to try and persuade you with this one, but I'm going to throw something a little bit different. So the worst moment of the year for me has to be the moment where Pierre Gasly nearly drives into a recovery tractor at Japan. Oh, God. All because they put it out on a live circuit and then had the cheek to blame him yeah. for going too fast in those conditions. And... You know, for people that didn't see this one in Japan, it was wet, the, the visibility conditions were terrible, the safety car was out, and even some of the leaders that were going through this obviously didn't notice it until they come to him. And it was just um, a mess up in communication and, and the tractor. And, and this kind of had hallmarks similar to what happened with Jules Bianchi in 2014, which sadly, you know, that crash was fatal for him. And it would have brought up a lot of uh, difficult memories for people that would have watched that replay of Gasly and remember what happened then. And for me, it kind of it kind of summed up the FIA this year. I mean, on a separate note, what, what did you guys make of the FIA this year? Because quite frankly, I, I don't really think it's gotten that much better. If anything, no. the divide between them and F1 has probably become larger in that regard.
0: Yeah, I think that's why I didn't pick that out as a moment, because of course it needs to be highlighted, but it's a continuation of something that's been going on for at least several years now. But you're right, Adam, I think I think it hasn't got much better. I just I just think the benchmark was set for Abu Dhabi twenty twenty one. So it's like, well, they haven't done a repeat of Abu Dhabi twenty twenty one, but they're still doing things pretty badly.
2: But this is it. I mean, because yeah. Michael Massey, a lot was made of him after that incident. And it wasn't the first thing that he'd done that had rubbed people up the wrong way. There were a few other instances in the years before that. And you know, this, this year, the FIA got a new president in with Mohammed bin Salayam and there was a lot of hope that things would be learned, lessons would be learned, they would put measures in to make sure that what happened in Abu Dhabi wouldn't happen again, and that the FIA would be better as a result. And, um, you know, they, they brought in two race directors for this season, they had Nils uh, Vittige and Eduardo Freitas, to, uh, which we thought was going to be an appointment to take that pressure off having just the one person in to make those decisions. Like it was going to be a shared responsibility. What we ended up having was um, you'd have one race, you'd have Neil, the other race would have Eduardo. Um, they'd alternate throughout the season until the last few races of the year. Uh, Vitage was asked to do the last few races after that, after some controversy with Eduardo Freitas a bit later on, where he was removed. It just created inconsistency with penalties and managing track limits and stuff like that. I mean, do you remember Checo in Austria in Q2? He obviously, you know, he exceeded track limits. They didn't pick it up at the time in Q2. And he went through, and we could all see on the replay that it was happened. But because they were too late to react, he'd gone out and done his time in Q3 when he shouldn't have done. And then he got relegated 10 spots anyway. And also, you know, not to mention what happened in Saudi Arabia as well this year and um, obviously that race a lot of us thought we probably shouldn't go ahead and like what was happening outside the circuit not too far away Um, you know the leaks about the budget cap stuff as well you know all of that stuff that happened that obviously wasn't a good time for Red Bull and you know despite the fact that they got caught you know breaching the budget cap it wasn't fair that their name was dragged through the mud beforehand um, owing to leaks within the FIA that came out to the paddock beforehand so for me I just think with with the FIA on this regard that I know it's not an easy thing to replace Charlie Whiting. And I think that's still kind of what it stems down to um, yeah. you know, with Michael Massey. It also proves one thing that we mentioned this time last year regarding Michael Massey that I thought was made a little bit of a scapegoat with the FIA and their problems that, yes, he was a problem. And obviously he couldn't stay on After what had happened, after the mistake that he had made, um, robbing Sir Lewis Hamilton of a world championship by not following the rules correctly, he couldn't stay on after that. Um, But the fact that they just tried to make it seem like they changed and improved by getting rid of him and making him the scapegoat for all the issues, that was never going to work. So. Uh For me, I don't know, I, I just think right now the divide between F1, the drivers, the fans, the teams, everything that comes with F1 and the FIA is just growing more and more and more large and something needs to happen or to be overhauled to put this right. Uh,
0: the, the thing is, um, I've, I've said, and I think it runs even deeper than this and, and, and where the, the management of F1 is really important moving forward, I have genuine concerns that the F1 fan base is becoming more like the fan base we see in football. Now, look, there are some great things about the the fan base in football. Me and you in particular, Adam, we're massive football fans, diehard football fans. But there are things about the football fan base, the toxicity, particularly online, that, you know, is the bad side of it. And we're seeing this becoming more and more apparent in the F1 fan base. And it's because of the lack of transparency and the lack of consistency within the management that causes that. So that's why it's important that they improve this as soon as possible and try to sort of limit the damage moving forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you get this in football. I'm not saying that when you have inconsistency in decisions that they're not um, correct. You know, you may get decisions that are made that are correct and open to interpretation. I mean, we had so much interpretation from so many different groups of people over the Verstappen-Hamilton incident at brazil and there's nothing wrong in that you know the F I the stewards can make a decision on an incident and it can be one that people don't agree with doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong i think the point i'm making is that the inconsistencies lie within certain rules that are at play that the stewards just aren't consistent with what they're actually doing not necessarily how they're going about it it's just the fact they're not consistent in their decision making in that regard from one incident to another um sounds a little bit vague when I say it like that I just think what I want to see from the FIA if I can offer some sort of potential advice on what I would like to see going forward is if you have a network of people making these decisions perhaps bring in people that maybe try and bring in more drivers if you like I mean Seb's not doing anything I would love to see Seb in that kind of position maybe that's something we need a driver like Sebastian Vettel that can offer that they used to have stuff like that in the past um And they just need to have accepted guidelines of what they can and cannot do, you know, get rid of all this um, grey areas and red tape stuff and all that stuff, because it's just getting silly now. And I think, as I said, you know, they got rid of Michael Massey for what happened in Abu Dhabi in 2021. Fair enough. I didn't ultimately agree with it because I felt it was more of a scapegoat move rather than um, getting rid of a symptom, I suppose, rather than the root cause, I suppose. Yeah. Um. And, and I think that's where they've led us this year with that one. So, sorry, I know it went off a bit on a tangent there, but um, after that recovery vehicle incident with gasoline in Japan, for me, I just thought, literally, they've learnt nothing. And I yeah. think Jules Bianchi's <laughs> father said that as well on his social media. I think I remember him saying that. For me, it's just almost like, well, <laughs> he's not wrong. What do you expect?
1: Yeah, well, I actually uh, agree with you on that point then I would uh, back you on that one.
2: Yeah. Sorry, guys, to bring the tone down. So, um, I mean, worst moment of the year, embarrassing moment. I mean, you guys mentioned like Alpine's embarrassment. So, yeah, we'll we'll give that to them. Probably fair enough. I don't think the FIA would want an award for being the worst thing this year, but uh,
0: they already got last year. Oh well, there you go. We can't go. We can't <laughs> let them have it
2: two years in a row. Um, That's a good point, Courtney. Thank you for that. Um, Okay, so we've pretty much done almost every single category except for the last one. And I think you know which one this is, guys. This is the driver of the year. Now, I've asked Courtney and Lee for the benefit of those that are playing along with us with these categories. And do let me know your answers to these categories. I really want to know what you guys think were the outstanding highlights of this year. We've asked for the top five rather than the top 10. I know people do their top 10s or top 20s. I want to make this a little bit difficult, and I want to do the top five. So, who is feeling brave? Who wants to go first and do their top five?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna say. So we're gonna go from five to first.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. Obviously, we're looking for the drive of the year. We're not gonna rank yeah. the five in order. like we're not gonna choose who is fifth to first. We're just gonna who's okay, number one but, in yeah. that regard.
0: So,
2: you just want to know my driver of the year. Well, top five. Um, well, I'm sorry, I should explain. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> explain. this. Um, but, um, basically, yeah, we'll have our top five. And we'll sort of deliberate who we think should be number one, if we have different number one drivers. Oh, yeah. I suspect oh, we probably yeah. won't, given how this season yes. went. But we'll see how we go. Yeah,
0: yeah he's a driver of the year, Max Staffan.
2: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, Lee. Yeah. Oh, I was kind of hoping for a joke, he might go differently. But... Uh, <sighs> Latifi not do it for you? (laughs) Maybe Mick Schumacher? Nah. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Okay, well, we've all got Verstappen as the driver of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. For the fun of it, let's hear our top fives. Um, Courtney, what's your top five going fifth first all the way down to number one?
0: Uh, I'm going to say number five will be... Norris number four will be Russell number three will be Leclerc and number two I'll go for Carlos Sainz I've raised him many many times this season and I I think that overall over the course of the season even though I know the points will suggest otherwise I think Carlos Sainz offered like the best of everything with a package that he had So, yeah, I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz at number two.
2: Very interesting. Very interesting. Lee, how about you?
1: Me? Um, Number five, Lewis Hamilton. Number four, Lando Norris. Number three, Carlos Sainz. Number two, Fernando Alonso. Uh, Number one, obviously, Max.
2: Guys aren't repping my boy Leclerc. I'm disappointed. (laughs) Did this last year and I thought he'd show you, but uh, apparently not. Um, Okay, well... Uh, I've gone Russell in fifth, Alonso fourth, Norris third, Charles Leclerc second, and Max Verstappen, obviously, number one. Interesting, Lee was the only person that picked Sir Lewis Hamilton in the top five. So I feel like we've got to go there, Lee. Um, why did you pick Sir Lewis in the top five? <clears throat> the
1: reason I picked Sir Lewis in the top five is regarding the, the bad start decision you had, testing or the the porpoising, whichever you put, obviously testing the, testing the setup and that. Whatever you put that on, um, or he wasn't the driver. He was. He, whatever you put that on at the beginning of the season, the fact that he then went on such a, a strong scoring streak towards the second half of the season that, apart from George's race win, he was one of the highest point scorers through the second part of the season, it just shows you the, the 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 quality of the driver he still had, and the fact that all right, yes, he was still right, still finished sixth in the championship. Um, but he managed to close the gap up a lot to the the other five, and just turned around his performance for the second half of the season. And did he finish P6? I'm sure think,
2: was P six? I think signs got him at the end. Did he not? <laughs> Unless I, yeah, let me have a look at the standings. Sorry, I'm just not to interrupt. Oh yeah, no, he did go P six. Yeah, sorry, I'm yeah. thinking like why else would he be P- lower than P six? Like that? actually yeah. got nowhere near I him know. after that. But uh, yeah, no, sorry, you are right on that one. Yeah.
1: So yeah, he it was just a. To the fact they turned that around this season and then scored the points and the level podiums that he did, it's uh, that's mm. why I put him in it's, uh, fifth.
2: Yeah, it was a tough one because I was I went over this one a lot, thinking like it was either going to be George or Sir Lewis. And I thought to myself, I, I wasn't going to base this primarily on the fact that George beat Sir Lewis in the championship this year. I mean, there are a lot of caveats as to why that was. It wasn't just straight that George did a better job than Lewis. Far from it. Um, for me as good as Lewis was in the second half of the season. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, he was experimenting on different setups in the first half of the season and stuff like that. I get it, but there was a lot of talk about that. And George just cracked on with the job that he had to do. If that was enforced by Mercedes or what, I don't know. But what I do know is George was so consistent throughout this season. I think bar two races in the second half of the season, and one retirement at Silverstone. I think he was top five in every single race. Somewhere along those lines. And he won the Brazilian Grand Prix. was phenomenal that weekend. And for me, that was the tipping point. Not just the fact that he won a race where Sir Lewis hadn't done. It's the fact that George's consistency was incredible. You know, Lewis was unreal second half of the season. Only Max Verstappen was better than him in the second half of the season. But George was just so good throughout the whole year. In what was a difficult year for Mercedes, it, that really impressed me. So I had to pick him in the top five over Sir Lewis. But for what it's worth, Sir Lewis would have easily been number six. Um, what about you, Courtney?
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's always it's always there or thereabouts. And I think the reason why I left him out of the the top five, and look, of course, you know, I've, I've been very vocal. I'm not, you know, going down of like disregarding Lewis's efforts this season and everything. But just because he's always set that mark, season after season after season, just because, you know, he wasn't there all the way through the season, just for me, just the efforts from the other drivers, I just don't want to forget some of the other drivers that deserve to mention, that makes sense, because I know that mm. Lewis will come back strong next season.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And and, and you got to remember, it's that mental challenge that, You know, people can argue and I think it's a fair point that perhaps Sir Lewis had a bit of a mental hangover after what happened in 2021, not necessarily because it was such a grueling season, but because of the way that it was, you know, cruelly taken away from him. And it doesn't matter who you are, you can take a while to come back from that and he himself probably needed to find his love for the sport again. And I think halfway along the season when he started seeing the Mercedes making progress and all the efforts and all the hours that he was putting in. I mean, this guy was doing testing and sim work. Anyone that knows Sir Lewis Hamilton knows that he does not like doing those things. So the fact that he was putting himself in that position and finding that there was progress probably reinvigorated that passion he had for the sport. And I think it's something that we will see grow next season where if Mercedes have a good car, he's going to be up there again. No doubt about Mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. So... uh, Nice way to end that one on a high note. Our driver of the year, DNF1 driver of the year, has to be Max Verstappen. As we've already mentioned, fantastic year he's had. Um, we'll just talk about him briefly before we sign off on this one. I mean, it's been a dominant season for Max Verstappen. 15 Grand Prix wins, another world title. So many podiums. Not quite as many as last season, it must be said. But, um, I mean, despite at the first half of the season, perhaps at least, not having the fastest car, I think Ferrari would probably say that they had that despite being unreliable. What impressed me the most with Max Verstappen is not necessarily the level of dominance, but the fact that he just won so many races in so many different ways. I mean, we had the start to finish, the sort of thing that we often see with Sir Lewis Hamilton, where just untouchable, off the, um, making up a few places off the line and sticking in there and winning it on strategy. And then we saw the race in Hungary, where he had to you know, make up lost ground from a poor qualifying, or the Belgian race. You know, so many different ways that he won. But ultimately, the one constant with Max is that he was just reaching those levels that I think in years to come we'll probably look back in the same way that we did with Hamilton and Schumacher and think yeah they were bloody good those years and and how good at what they were doing
0: yeah I think look he's, he's very much set the benchmark now for his generation um, and it's, it's up for the likes of um, Leclerc uh, Russell Norris you know who knows Piastri see how Piastri gets on it's up for them to respond now because Max is very much the tip of the iceberg. He is the guy to beat in this generation. We know Lewis can challenge him. We saw that last season, but yeah, I think, I think Max is very much the guy to be over the next decade or so.
1: Yeah, I would agree on you on that one. <laughs> Sorry, I was waiting, <laughs> waiting for, for my to...
0: input.
2: Yeah. You know, your yeah. input's always uh, valued no, yeah, as always.
1: Um... No, definitely. I would uh, agree with uh, what you both said there about Max um, and while also add in his the way that compared to last season, the, the maturity that we've seen from Max regarding his racecraft, his tire management. right? He may not have had the pressure of uh, a hard championship as per last year. So he may not have not had to push as much internally within himself to get that extra bit out of him, but there's still the level of maturity that he showed but also shows that how much he's grown as a driver
2: yeah absolutely you couldn't agree more um but that's all we got time for guys and uh just to sort of end things off it was a nice way to end things uh with our final award max step and drive of the year hope you guys agree with us on that but if you don't that's absolutely fine just let us know your picks of all the awards that we went through this evening but that's the end of our 2022 season review and for those of you listening thinking that you were going to hear a different episode where i talked to a special guest we're going to be doing that another time unfortunately had to reschedule but I will keep you posted on when that will be so I do apologize about that but we will have plenty more content coming your way as mentioned before you can support us by giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform and we'll give you a shout out on the next episode as a reward and you can like the video and subscribe to the channel if you're watching this on YouTube but until next time guys that's all we've got in terms of talking about the 2022 season for you but we will return soon with plenty more content over this winter break 88 days left at the day of recording that's on wednesday until lights out still a long time to go but we're certainly not done for 2022 but until next time guys thanks for tuning in stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast and remember as always if you're not first you're probably dnf1 take care
1: Podcast Network.